All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Exit 77, a Notre Dame football podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. This is episode 44. Um, We are taking a look back at the Clemson game, and we are going to look at the upcoming Navy game. I'm coming to you all um, here from the Chicagoland area on a Friday afternoon, um, as as tends to be um, with every single one of my podcasts this year. I was hoping to record it a little bit earlier this week. Wasn't able to get to it, and, you know, wanted to give a shout-out to Chris Crater and Dan Irving. We had a plan and a schedule to record this on Tuesday night. The three of us um, just wasn't able to get it done, had a lot going on, and so we weren't able to do it that night. My bad, guys. Definitely maybe we can try and do a post-Navy one um, here early next week. I uh, would love to have you guys back on. And, uh, yeah, so sorry about that. Uh, but I am getting to this right before the Navy game. Um, Navy game coming up tomorrow, uh, early start. Um, for those of us here in the Midwest, it's an 11 a.m. game. Uh, the Irish play Navy out in Baltimore at, uh, I think it's M&T Stadium, which is where the Ravens play. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe even someone like uh, Kyle Hamilton is there. I don't know where the Ravens are playing this weekend, but if they're playing at home, maybe it's a game that Kyle Hamilton gets to and is on the Notre Dame sidelines. But uh, yeah, coming off of, uh, for all of us who are big Notre Dame fans, one of the bigger Notre Dame victories in a long time. Um, it was great to see the Irish derail uh, the Clemson Tigers here um, about six days ago in South Bend. 35 to 14, the biggest win of the Marcus Freeman era. And I think a, a win that a lot of us will be looking back upon and seeing as maybe one of those ones that propels the Marcus Freeman era uh, into hopefully new heights. For those of you that did listen, as I said last week when I was previewing the game, I was going to be going to the game. I did go and uh, I did storm the field. Uh, so, yes, I did go on the field after the game as predicted. I know I predicted on the podcast a 31 24 Irish win, and I predicted myself getting down there on the field, taking some pictures with the scoreboard in the background, and did so. Um, was down on the field with Rob Desitel, otherwise known as Sweets. Uh, Rob and I were sitting together with uh, VJ Thangamani uh, and his son Nate, and uh, yeah. Rob and I went down there, um, got some picks down on the field, uh, saw a few players uh, up close and personal. I was kind of neat to see those guys are huge. <laughs> they walked right by us, uh, got some, like I said, got some photos and then headed out and hit the car and went back home. So thought I'd give you guys all a little bit of a layout of the day because this is one of those days that I think a lot of us Nordic fans will not soon forget, especially those of us who were in attendance. So uh, left here, the Chicagoland area, um, probably around, I think, 11 a.m., picked up Rob, um, got him, and then we went over to Adam Ortega's house and picked up Adam and Ron Fiesta. Uh, so Rob, myself, Adam, and Ron, the three of us driving down, so all three Notre Dame grads, um, you know, drive down was was a little windy, actually. You know, was there was a ton of wind in the area. Uh, luckily, it wasn't raining. Um, I think actually towards about the last maybe 10 minutes of the ride, it did start to rain as we were driving into South Bend. Um, parts of the neighborhood 
we were able to get a good spot and got out of the car and started walking towards the campus. Uh, you could tell there was there was a buzz. There was a lot of people. Um, Notre Dame had come out earlier in the day with a wind advisory saying you couldn't have tents. So, um, you know, from a tailgate perspective, no one had tents up. And if you did have them, you had to take them down. It was really windy. You know, there were some pretty large gusts um, that got pretty pretty big there for a little bit. Uh, but got over to the tailgates, um, and probably within about 10 minutes of me getting to the tailgate, um, the rain died down, and we didn't see rain the whole rest of the day. So it really you know for those of us that were going there and thinking that we were going to be you know kind of in rain all day long similar to what happened at clemson in 2015 um it was a complete opposite so got about 10 minutes of rain and then we're able to get settled and just have a really fun day so started the day out at um the golf course lot the birth golf course lot and hung out with a bunch of old classmates and really good friends i talked a little bit about this on the other podcast met up with uh rick and colleen saxon class of 2000 grads met up with b and margo uh b class of 2000 grad and then tl i missed his wife jody um who did, made it i think a little bit after i left but um tl as well class of 2000 so I hung out with them rick and colleen had a bunch of their good friends in from dayton as well so it was great to hang uh it was a, it was a good atmosphere um, a lot of people getting after it pretty early um and it was nice to kind of be settled and getting the day going with you know probably about five hours before the kickoff and just kind of hanging out and having a good time so from there um b and margo and myself uh and their son fritz we walked over to another tailgate we met up with um the crew that was partying over in the stadium lot um that was a tailgate hosted by charlie mckenna and his wife kate so charlie class of 2000 so it was awesome to hang with him i saw a variety of folks at that tailgate which was awesome zach from dallas was there uh, as i got mentioned on the last pod Uh, zach was there with his family uh ray wicklander um class of 2000 as well chip and maggie jessup um, maggie class of 2000 um and then once again vj and his son nate so really fun hanging out there sweets was there as well um just kind of you know did did our thing having a lot of fun having some food having some drinks and then from there went over to um the class of 1999 tailgate raj basu um had a tailgate so um crazy to see raj over there um and met up again with adam ortega and ron and uh, also class of 1999 jim farrell uh really cool as well to see uh ej jones popped over there um fellow panel member um for those of you that are, are members and fans of the Nordin panel it's great to see ej hadn't seen him in a few years um it was a ton of funny saw me and popped over so it was really fun to just say hi so ej huge shout out to you thanks for stepping over and saying hi um and yeah from there um kind of went back over to charlie and kate's tailgate which was about you know probably about an hour before the start of the game and started to make our way towards the stadium i think about 40 minutes before the start of the game wanted to make sure we weren't waiting in line as the game was getting underway um and so yeah popped in and was able to get our seats we were uh right probably about on the 10 yard line um in the uh right across from the, the Notre Dame student section, so the other side. So I guess that would be the northeast corner of the stadium. Um, about the 10-yard line, we were in the in the lower bowl, but the last row of the lower bowl, so it was great. Um, I did want to give a quick shout-out before I kind of start to go in the game, but sorry to Andy Franger and Bobby Pinnell, two buddies uh, that I was not able to meet up with. I know we had chatted about trying to meet up, so sorry that didn't work out. Um, once again, self-service, not the self-service, not the best, um, but sorry we didn't get a chance to say hi. I'm sure we will definitely do here soon. Um, but, you know, getting the game underway, um, same thing. It was still super windy, um, ton of wind. Um, you could notice the people warming up beforehand, having a hard time kicking, having a hard time punting. It was definitely going to be a factor in the game. There was talk that the wind was going to die down as the game got underway, but it really didn't. Um, and so if you were going, let's see, if you were going and facing uh, south, uh, you were definitely 
into the wind. If you were going north, you had to win that you're back, which, you know, clearly made a difference in regards to what each one of the teams was doing when they either had the ball or when they were on defense. Uh, but the crowd was super lively. Um, you know, Notre Dame turned out the lights as they got the game up and running. Uh, Irish came out. Um, and yeah, I, you know, this was one of those unique games where we did not sit the entire game. We stood every, you know, every minute of the game. I think the only time we did sat, sit was either at halftime or in between the quarters. Um, and it really was a charged audience. Um, you know, there was a lot of Clemson fans, but not nearly as many uh, Clemson fans as we might have seen um, when Georgia was in town and when Cincinnati was in town uh, last year. Uh, so Notre Dame fans did a good job of holding down their tickets. Um, but Clemson was definitely out in full force. Um, there was a lot of orange, but like I said, not nearly as much as what we've seen in the past. Um, I was going back through my notes and what I talked a little bit about on the last podcast has related to the Notre Dame game uh, against Clemson and what some of the things that we were looking to see. And I, one of the things that I talked about was getting off to a fast start um, and getting the crowd going. And I don't think we could ask for a, a better start from the standpoint of what the Irish did on special teams. So the Irish started off with the ball, um, got a first down, but didn't really move a whole lot after that. Then Clemson got the ball and Notre Dame forced them on a three and out and the Clemson punted and Notre Dame for the sixth time this year, blocked the punt. Um, it was Jordan Patello coming up the middle. Prince Kali caught it in the air and returned it for about 15 yards for a touchdown. The stadium was up for grabs. Everyone's going crazy. Everyone's going nuts. I can imagine what it was like watching on, on TV uh, back at home um, and across the country. But yeah, the stadium was just out of control. And from there, you know, once again, that kind of got the crowd going. Um, you know, they were into it then from here, then on out. And, um, you know, the Irish really took advantage of it. Um, the score at the end of the first uh, quarter was 7 nothing. the Irish. Uh, going to the second quarter, um, same kind of thing. A lot of kind of back and forth. Notre Dame getting a couple of first downs. Notre Dame doing a good job of running. And Clemson not doing a whole lot on offense. The Irish really were, were stymieing them. Uh, and we basically got the ball back, I think, with about six minutes left to go uh, in the second quarter. And we went on an 11-place, 78-yard drive. Um, it was great to see. And Notre Dame pounded it into the end zone with Drew Pine keeping it on a QB sneak around the side um, or a fake, and it was it was awesome. So Notre Dame's up fourteen to nothing as we headed into half. For, um, they I don't know if they showed it on TV, but there was a little bit of a skirmish uh, going to halftime. Uh, Jason Abmiola got knocked over by a Clemson player. Um, as the two teams were going to the tunnel, uh, that player got a 15 yard penalty, and so uh, coming out of the second half, the Irish I think were kicking off and. Um, they think it got 15 yards ahead. Um, so, you know, didn't make the, a ton of difference at the end of the day, but um, I think it definitely riled up the crowd. It riled up the Notre Dame's team. You could tell Notre Dame had all the momentum going in at halftime. Um, crowd was going crazy, and, uh, yeah, that was really fun. So halftime pretty regular, pretty normal, um, and then we started off the third quarter. Um, no scoring in the third quarter. Um, you know, towards the end of the third quarter, one of the biggest plays of the game, uh, Benjamin Morrison intercepted uh, Kid Klubnik, who was the – Clemson freshman quarterback who got put in because they decided to pull DJ. Um, he wasn't doing a ton of, of good, um, so they put, brought him in, and he made a errant throw across his body, across the middle of the field. And Benjamin Morrison, who was playing a ridiculously good game to begin with, made the interception, um, set the ball up on about, I think, about the 14 or something like that. And a few plays later, um, the Irish scored, but it was right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So Notre Dame is up 21 nothing early in the fourth quarter. Clemson got the ball back, went on a pretty good drive, um, aided by a bunch of pass interference calls on the Irish. Kind of weird um, pass interference calls. I don't know. The crowd obviously was not too happy with it. And then uh, Clemson got down to about the Notre Dame, I think about 18 or 19. And DJ dropped back. He was back in, and he threw a pick six to Benjamin Morrison. Morrison picked it off at about the four-yard line uh, and ran back 96 yards. And at that point, the, the stadium just erupted. It was beyond uncontrollable. It was so cool, such a great feeling. 
um, you know, we're up 28 nothing. There's about 13 minutes to go in the fourth. I think we finally were able to get a little bit of a sigh of relief. I think we said, okay, to ourselves, this is enough um, for us to, you know, definitely win this game. Uh, Clemson did get the ball back and scored. Um, so the Irish were up 28 to 7. But then the Irish went on an 11 play, 75 yard drive that took off about six minutes off the clock, um, highlighted and punctuated by a pass from Drew Pine to Michael Mayer. Um, I think Notre Dame had run 10 straight running plays to start the drive, and they ended up running that last pass. Um, Clemson wasn't expecting it because we had kept on running it. They were thinking run the whole way. Mayer, Mayer was wide open. The Irish went up 35-7. to seven. Um, There was about a f- little over four minutes left. The game was over at that point. Um, Clemson, Clemson fans started to leave. Notre Dame students started to get closer and closer to the field. Clemson did score a second touchdown with about a minute 35 left, um, you know, and then the Irish got the kickoff, ran a couple of plays, and ended up downing it. So the final being 35-14. At this point, uh, you know, the Notre Dame students, like I said, started making their way down. They rushed the field. We started making our way down. <laughs> it was very orderly. We walked down some stairs, didn't do any jumping onto the field. Um, heard some stories about older people jumping off of the um, jumping onto the field and actually hurting themselves. So thank God we didn't do that, but just was able to quickly walk down there, um, get on the field. Like I said, got a bunch of picks. Um, got some pictures of the of the crowd. Did some videos down there. It was a ton of fun. Um, and then. Walked out, walked out and started to make our way home. I uh, got to the car and, you know, not a ton of traffic on the way home. Uh, it was myself, Rob, and Adam on the ride home. And, uh, yeah, made it back um, to Chicago, I think, at around uh, 1230 uh, a.m. Um, so, yeah, it was all in all one of, the, one of those, you know, one of those Notre Dame moments that I won't soon forget. Um, definitely one of the better sporting events I'd been to in a while. I don't think any of us expected the Irish to do what they did to Clemson. Um, Clemson was their number four ranked team in the country. I think a lot of people saw some flaws in Clemson, but they're still 8-0. They're still ranked number four, and the Irish absolutely destroyed them. Um, physically, they dominated them at all levels um, on all three sides of the ball. And we'll kind of get into that as we go through our grades, uh, but it was just a wonderful and awesome day, and like I said, and I've said a few times on the story, one that I will soon not forget and one that will be ingrained in my mind uh, for a really long time. That just, Notre Dame just hasn't done that to a highly ranked team in a long, long time. Probably not since the, maybe since the Lou Holtz days. Um, it was just, it was so cool. And could not be happier for Marcus Freeman uh, and the team and what they were able to accomplish. You could tell the emotions um, as the team was, you know, kind of finding, finalizing the game and finalizing the final score. Everyone was so excited uh, around what they'd accomplished. Uh, going back through again, through some of my notes, um, some of the other things I called out in the last podcast um, was around, you know, whether or not Notre Dame could run the ball. I did think that they'd run the ball for about 150 to 180 yards. I thought that that would be, you know, attainable. Um, I think they rushed for about 260 yards. So absolutely unbelievable. And that kind of leads to the next point I brought up was, you know, would the O-line show up? We've talked a lot in the past about how Harry Houston offensive lines um, play well and then not the best in these big games. This is the complete opposite. They played absolutely dominating football. Uh, Drew Pine playing well. We'll kind of get once again and get into the, that into the grades. He didn't really throw the ball at all, um, but he did manage the game um, and did a good job handing the ball off. Um, the D-line, the D can they contain DJ? Um, he was not able to really get out of the pocket until later in the fourth quarter when the game was over. Um, you know, Could Notre Dame force long third downs? They definitely did. Um, we'll talk about that in our grades with the defense. Um, and can Notre Dame run on first down? They were definitely able to do that you know i think some of the stats were that notre dame ran the ball on every drive on first down um, at least on the first play of those drives and they did so at a really really good clip um, averaging i think you know seven eight sometimes even nine yards uh, per run um, so yeah uh, just an absolutely dominating performance all around and so let's start to kind of get into that while as we look at our grades 
And as we always do start, we'll start with Marcus Freeman. Uh, I'm going to give him an A-plus for this. I don't know how you couldn't give him anything but that. The team was ready to go. Um, they were you know, jacked up from the minute the game got underway. Um, Freeman was animated on the sidelines. There was a play where he was arguing with the refs. You could tell. I think he actually got a sideline warning. Uh, he was excited. You know, he's... He's starting to grow into the job, that's for sure. You know, I think there was a lot of talk in the tailgate lots prior to the prior to the game. You know, is the Notre Dame job too big for for Marcus Freeman? Um, some folks were kept on bringing that up. You know, was he the right choice? Um, I think for those of us that have always been a big fan and a big believer of him, um, this was finally the game that I think got a lot of people um, kind of hoping the right mind and frame around Marcus Freeman and what he can accomplish here as a Notre Dame coach. But yeah, this was just an all around. Unbelievable coaching job by him um, and getting Notre Dame to once again dominate the number four ranked team in the country. You know, I think a lot of people consider Dabo Sweeney to be one of the best coaches in the country, and he's done that for about the last probably 10 years or so. And uh, yeah, um, this was a game that Marcus Freeman absolutely outcoached Dabo Sweeney, uh, got his team more prepared, got his team more ready. And, you know, Dabo's team was coming off a bye. Uh, they actually had 14 days to prepare for the Irish. Um, so the fact that the Irish were able to do this um, coming off of a game just last weekend um, says once again a lot around what Marcus Stream was able to do. All right, moving on, we're going to go over to Tommy Reese. I'm going to give Tommy Reese an A for this game. Um, you know, once again, not a whole lot on the passing side of things, but he realized that that wasn't going to be something we were probably either A, going to be able to do against Clemson, or, or B, be something that Pine was going to be able to do well against Clemson. And so he ran the ball. I think we ran the ball. I think the stats came out to about 74% of the time. Um, absolutely dominating on the run side. He was calling the right plays, calling different formations. Um, once again, the pop pass to Mayer was, was a great call. I think Marcus Stroman actually made that call, but Tommy Reese, um, you know, said, let's do it. And uh, they went for it. Um, but yeah, just from an overall play calling perspective, continued to lean in on our strengths. We did run a bunch of two back sets, which were really productive and got some big gains. We hit Chris Tyree with the ball in space. Um, he did a great job of, you know, rotating out the running backs. Um, and just, you know, from an overall all-in-all perspective, just a really good game plan and great uh, called game by Tom Reese. Defense, I'm going to give them an A as well. Um, Al Golden, um, he's just, I, I think he's done a really, really good job this year. I know obviously we have three losses and people will point to that, but, you know, the three losses were not on the defense. The defense has done their job in every single one of the nine games that we've played. And I think in every single one of the games, we have held the opponent below what they typically do. And this is just another example of us doing that, holding DJ down. The defensive line got a ton of pressure all day. Uh, the linebackers were making plays. We were tackling in space. We were tackling as a group. It was just an awesome, uh, you know, outcome to watch and it was just so neat to see the defense play at such a high level in such a big game so yeah um you know a for al golden as well all right let's go on to the uh special teams brian mason i don't know we can't give that guy anything else but an a a you know we did have one missed field goal um, but once again blocked a punt um you know it was all that was talked about leading up into this week was the fact that Notre Dame had already blocked five punts. And Davos Sweeney, I think, already even mentioned in his press conference saying we got to be on the lookout for that. And literally on Clemson's first punt, Notre Dame came in and blocked it. It was just, once again, it got the entire card going. You know, it was probably the absolute different maker, difference maker in the game. It got everyone excited. Um, and it was just, you know, even when Clemson knew it was coming, they couldn't do it. You know, a lot of people talk about Notre Dame's done such a good job running the ball this year that even when the other team knows Notre Dame's going to run um, and they haven't been able to stop them, I think it's the same thing as it relates to punt block. Even though the other team knows that Notre Dame's going to be bringing the house, uh, we were still able to block it. So once again, a special teams, uh, Brian Mason, we're going to give him an A. All right, moving down to the individual positions um, and the individual um 
folks that we're going to give grades out to. All right, let's start with, um, uh, you know, actually, before we do that, I do want to give a quick shout out. My dad reminded me of this. Um, he was chatting with a good buddy classmate of his, Peter Mac, uh, McInerney, um, and he wanted um, me to recognize um, Pete's daughter, Mary, who is a class of 2005 Notre Dame grad. Um, I think she's a first-time listener. Um, so, Mary, wanted to give you a quick shout-out. Um, thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope you're feeling well. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, um, you know, this is a fun listen for you and you become a, a future um, uh, all-time listener of the Exit 77 podcast. So, yeah, Mary, thanks again for listening in. Uh, hope you're doing well, and uh, let's hope that the Irish can continue on with this season. All right, let's go to the different grades um, from the different players, and we'll start with the quarterback. So we're going to start with Drew Prine. I'm going to give him a B. Um, you know, he didn't make any mistakes from the standpoint of he didn't throw any exceptions, which is great. Um, obviously, once again, as we've stated, you know, he wasn't able to really throw the ball. He was 9-17 for the whole day, 85 yards, one touchdown. Um, you know, obviously no one, nowhere near what I think people would consider winning stats from a passing perspective. Um, but it wasn't what the Irish were going to do on the day. He managed the game. Um, you know, he had the great, um, fake and where he was able to bring it around the end and score that second touchdown for the Irish of the day. Um, the pass to mayor was a great play, a great fake on his part. Um, but we're going to need to continue to see more from Drew Pine. Um, you know, we can obviously run the ball and I, I think we can probably run the ball against most teams, but, uh, we need to see a little bit more from Drew Pine and maybe we can start to see that a little bit this upcoming weekend against Navy because they do not have the best pass defense, but we'll go with the B for Drew Pine. Um, uh, running backs, we're going to give them a greater of an A. Um, I don't know how we can give them anything less there. Uh, once again, you know, Tom Reese did a great job of rotating the backs. Um, Logan Diggs had a really good afternoon, 17 carries, 114 yards. Audrey Kestemi had it over 114 yards as well and a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, once again, Chris Tyree, I think he had about 40 or 50 yards. Um, so really good job rotating. I think the one thing I would, would say is that I would probably tend to lean away from um, when we continue to run the ball up the middle, always giving Tyree that, those carries. I think Tyree's better in space. He's better on the outside, and that's what we saw in this game when you get the ball in his hands on the outside or in space on some of those passes in the, in the flat. That's when he can really shine. So I would lean really heavily into running digs and estimate up the middle uh, and getting Tyree the ball more on the outside. But I love the two back sets that we ran. Um, I think it confused Clemson. Um, and yeah, I, obviously, you know, the, the Irish from what we've done over the last bunch of weeks from our running perspective has just been really, really good. And we're doing a great job of getting all of our running backs um, rotated in and performing well. Offensive line, A+. Plus. I don't know how we couldn't give them anything less than that. Amazing job by Harry. He's saying getting the team ready, uh, getting them up to speed and getting them ready to play against Clemson. The holes are massive. You know, the number of, I think we had, I think we had like 11, yard, 11 rushes of 10 yards or more in this game. is unheard of for Clemson to give up those rushes. Um, you know, they had, I think, maybe the seventh or eighth best rushing defense in the country. Their defensive line is stacked with five stars. And Notre Dame just dominated them the whole night. Um, we completely won the physical battle. Um, there was, like I said, massive lanes for running backs to go through, and it was just an all-around amazing performance. They didn't have to do a ton of pass blocking. Um, when Pine did get back there, he, they did a pretty good job of giving him some time and giving him some space. Um, but, yeah, unreal job by Harry Heastan and the team. You know, just some call-outs. You know, Joe Alts, Blake Fisher, you know, Zeke Carell, um, Lug at guard, and then the last guard, Patterson. It just, all five of those guys, absolutely awesome. And even the tight ends were blocking really well. So, you know, offensive line, just 
unbelievable job for them uh, in this game. A plus, A plus grade for sure. All right, tight ends. We're going to give them an A. Um, I think primarily from a rock blocking perspective. You know, Mitchell Evans has become a really, really good inline blocker. He's doing a great job sealing the edge on a lot of plays. Michael Mayer did a really good job of blocking. Obviously, he caught the one touchdown pass. And I think he had two or three passes um, that he caught total. Um, but yeah, all around really good game from the tight ends. I don't think we saw Holden stays out there at least as far as I know. He wasn't getting any play. Um, but yeah, just a, a good good game and good job by the tight ends. Wide receivers, I'm going to give them a B plus. And the reason for the B plus, a lot of it has to do with the blocking they were able to do. They did a really good job of blocking on the edge, especially on some of those bigger runs by the Irish. Um, so guys like Braden Lindsay, Jaden Thomas were doing a really good job blocking. Um, you know, I do feel for Lorenzo Styles. He had that one drop in the second quarter, and I don't think he was out there after that. Um, he has, I think, I think four or five drops this year. So not the best for Lorenzo Styles. I will say, though, I have a ton of confidence in that guy moving forward. I think he still has the chance to be a really, really good and dominant player for the Irish. I hope he gets his mind in the right place. Um, you know, this could be a really big game up against Navy where he has a chance to kind of get his confidence back. You know, you know, I think if I'm Notre Dame, I would design a few plays to start the game to get the ball to Lorenzo Styles to get his confidence back. Um, he is an absolute gamer. He showed it last year as a true freshman, and he's the kind of kid that can really, you know, kind of help an offense and really kind of, you know, propel us forward. So I'm hoping that against Navy, the Irish do a good job of getting him the ball um, and getting his confidence back because he's going to be someone that we're definitely going to need next year, and we're going to need him in these last three games of the year. But uh, yeah, tough game for him. I hope he I hope he comes back this week and hope he um, you know starts to shine here starting against Navy. Um, the other wide receivers, you know, Merriweather got out there, Colsey got out there, didn't see. I don't think either any of them caught a pass. Um, but yeah, just kind of you know, Jane Thomas had a really nice catch on one of the plays. On one of the pine rollouts, um, but yeah, not a whole lot of balls to the wide receivers. Um, only nine passes completed total. But you know, this is an opportunity hopefully against Navy where we can get the wide receivers maybe involved a little bit more because they don't have the best pass uh, pass defense. Um, but I still think we're going to continue to rely on our, our run game against Navy. All right, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line. I'm going to give them an A. Um, Will Shipley, um, who is uh, Clemson's lead back, had 12 carries for 63 yards. He did have one touchdown, um, but we held him in check. Um, that was a really, really awesome job by the defensive line. And they got a ton of pressure on DJ when he was driving back. I think they had three or four sacks total. Uh, the defensive line was playing really well from a position standpoint. So they were kept containment on the outside. You could tell once again, as I said earlier, um, there was a lot of gang tackling going on. They were getting guys down as a group. Um, so just a really all-around great game by the defensive line. Foskey had a sack there towards the end of the second quarter. Um, this unit is trending up, um, and they continue to play really, really good football for the Irish. Linebackers, um, it was primarily was Maris Leofau and J.D. Bertrand. We kind of kept it in a two-man rotation. There was a question in the press conference afterwards around you know what happened to Jack Kaiser. Um, it wasn't anything with regards to injury. It's just we primarily played a nickel, so you primarily focused on the two uh, linebackers. And I'm going to give them an A. Uh, I do think this was J.D. Bertrand's maybe his best game ever as a as an Army Fighting Irish player. He was everywhere. He was all over the field, and he just played really, really well. He tackled great. He was in the right position. He just had an all-around awesome game. I know there's been, um, from a lot of folks throughout this year, you know, questioning of J.D. Bertrand, you know, is he the right player? Is he the best person for that job? Um, he is showing more often than not this entire year that he is, you know, just he's a stalwart of our defense. And it was great to see him have such a big game on such a big scale, um, on such a big night. And I just thought he played phenomenally. I think we kept on talking in the stands 
myself, Sweets and VJ, just about, he was everywhere. He was just making a lot of plays. And Maris Leofau played really well too. You could tell once again, he's, he's bringing pressure on the blitzes. He made a really nice play in the backfield. Um, I do think that he's going to continue to ascend as the year moves on. So, you know, it was a good game for him as well. Um, I would like to see him make you know just a few more plays, but I thought he played really, really well. Now against Navy, and we'll get to it in our preview, we're going to have to rely on probably a fully different group of linebackers or a different linebacker set because um, it's going to be a lot more of a running game. So I do think we'll see a lot of Kaiser um, against Navy here. But uh, great job by the linebackers. All right, moving on to the secondary. Um, let's talk about the corners. Um, I don't know how we can't give them an A here. <laughs> Benjamin Morrison, game of his life, 200 receptions um one of them being a pick six cam hart played really well probably one of his better games of the year for you know it was been a little bit of an up and down season for him he did a great job in tackling in space um so really good game by the Notre Dame cornerbacks um they played really really well and then from the uh safety perspective i'm going to give those guys a b plus a minus um you know great job by them you know we, we did a really good job of rotating players you know we saw brandon joseph out there we saw dj brown out there we saw ramon henderson we saw xavier watts was getting a lot of play so you know, they've gotten into a really good rhythm of being able to rotate those four guys and um same thing against neighbor we're gonna have to see all of them brandon joseph actually did hurt himself it looked like on one of the punt returns he's got a little bit of a, an ankle sprain so he's not gonna be playing this weekend so he won't be out there so we would definitely have to rely on um our other three safeties this week, which, um, you know, I think a guy like uh, Henderson and, uh, you know, Watts, is probably, this game probably works really well for them because those guys tend to be more downhill players and are going to be, you know, really used as relates to the option uh, and making plays closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, but, you know, really good job by the safeties as a whole. No one got beat for any deep balls. Um, you know, they held the Clemson receivers in check. I don't think the Clemson receivers are probably up to par as to where they were in years past, but it's still, once again, they're really talented and they're really long and big players. And Notre Dame did a really good job of uh, not allowing a ton of yards on from either from a running or from a passing perspective. I think DJ um, ended up passing for about 190 yards uh, on 27 completions, but most of that kind of came in garbage time in the fourth quarter. So, you know, all around outstanding performance by the defense. Um, they just did a phenomenal job and it was such a fun game to be around watching the defense play make play after play they forced clemson into really long third and third down uh, yardage plays um or stopping clemson on first down and you know once again just from an overall perspective just and just an awesome job by the Notre Dame defense and kudos to al golden all right moving on to our special teams we'll start with um you know pun return uh once again uh brand joseph had a couple of good ones um let's give him a, a b on that uh, he did a good job there like i said he got hurt which isn't the best um punt defense gosh once again a plus unbelievable job there kickoff return i don't think we returned any kicks and then kick return unit we did a really good job of limiting shipley who was returning their kicks i think they pretty much if they didn't kick it out of the end zone and started the 25 when they scripted it i don't think they got past the 20 yard line so a really good job there so a there and then field goal um, we missed one but we did make all of our uh, point after attempts so we'll give a b for our field goal unit so um hopefully all those grades are good ones it's really fun when we have a, a game like that where we you know just absolutely just dominated in all from all perspective and so it's really easy to give really good grades shares um, but i'm going to give once again kudos to marcus freeman what a game plan by him what an awesome job getting the team ready um and that was so much fun to watch all right let's take a look at our uh season predictions and our record recap um and we'll give you guys an update as to where we're at now so we started the season at 10 and 2 Coming off of Ohio State in the loss, we stayed at 10-2. and two, Still felt good about the team. Uh, then we had the Marshall loss to move to 0-2. We moved our prediction down to 8-4. and four. 
Um, coming off the Cal game, which was our first one of the season, moving the record to one and two, we kept ourselves at that eight and four prediction. Then we played UNC, um, where we won and got a record back to five hundred two and two. We moved our prediction up one to nine and three. Then we played at BYU, or BYU in Vegas um, to win, and we were then at three and two. We kept our prediction at nine and three. Then the Stanford game happened, um, where we lost, and we were three and three. We moved our prediction back down to seven and five. UNLV game came, um, we won, so we were at four and three. We kept our prediction at seven and five. Then the Syracuse on the road game happened. Um, we ended up winning, so we moved to five and three. We moved our prediction up one to eight and four, and now we beat Clemson um, to be six and three on the year, and we're going to move our prediction back to nine and three. Uh, the Irish have three games left. Um, I see us winning all three of them based upon what I've been seeing of late. Um, you know, it's an it's an exciting time um, if we can continue playing the way um, we have been playing here of late, especially as we did against Syracuse. And as we did against Clemson, um, you know, one of the biggest things upcoming in these next two games against Navy and Boston College is the Irish playing down to their competition. That is one of the things that we talked about in the last podcast is that the Irish have played down to their competition this year. Um, and so let's see if we can kind of change the narrative there and get two big wins against teams that are not that good. Um, Clemson, or excuse me, Boston College is not good at all. And Navy, while they are tough to stop, I, you know, they're under 500 right now and they are a team that we should be, um, you know, year in and year out. And same thing with Boston College. And then now you're looking at, you know, hopefully uh, an eight and three record going into that final game, uh, Thanksgiving weekend against USC, which I think, would just be an awesome game and an awesome environment depending upon obviously the time whether they do a night game for that one or later in the day but um, that's just gonna be an awesome game if the Irish are in three I think that that will be one of the more fun Notre Dame USC games that we've had in a really really long time for a variety of reasons that we can get into um, as we get closer and closer to the date so nine and three as our updated record uh, and let's see what the Irish can do starting this weekend. All right, moving on to questions. Um, got a couple this week, um, not that many, um, but did get one from Errol, our, our, our famous uh, Michigan fan. Um, he said, Errol's question is, there's rumblings around Notre Dame and a transfer quarterback in the portal this upcoming year. Um, have the Irish fans given up on Tyler Buckner? Um, great question, Errol. Um, yeah, definitely there is talk about a portal QB. I don't think that that um, – I don't even think that that is uh, a question. Notre Dame is definitely going to get a, a quarterback in the portal this year. Um, and as I think we talked on the last podcast, there should be plenty of options um, from a quarterback perspective that will be in the portal. So, um, yeah, I think the Irish are definitely going to do that. I don't think that means that they've given up on Buckner, um, but he will be coming off of an injury. Um, you know, he'll probably play in the spring, um, and I guess we'll see what he does in that game. Um, but, you know, I, I – I really like Tyler Buckner um, as a player and obviously as a person, um, but, you know, just from what we saw earlier this year, I don't know. Um, you know, I think we were hoping for a little bit more in those first couple of games, even though he played okay against Ohio State, did not have the best game against Marshall. Now, both those games, again, were against, um, you know, two teams where the Notre Dame offensive line wasn't playing nearly as well as they have been of late. Um, but I don't know. It's just, you know, his throwing motion looks a little strange. Um, he's not the most accurate quarterback, um, but if the Irish can go and get, you know, someone from the portal who's been a starter maybe for the last two, three years in college, who's got really good stats, who's shown and proven that he can win, I don't see how that person is not the starter next year at Notre Dame. Um, and all that being said, you know, same thing with Drew Pine. Um, he's going to be coming off of, you know, being the starter for the last 10 games of the year. Um, you know, is he, you know, will he be able to win the job next year? I don't know. I think if, once again, if you bring in someone from the portal, um, it's probably that person's job to lose. 
All right, next question is from Dan Hickey. Um, you know, good and favorite listener of ours and good buddy. Dan, unfortunately, couldn't make the game this weekend, um, but he was there in spirit. Um, his question, Dan's, uh, from Dan is, Dabo said he was outcoached. Was he? Um, or uh, did we catch a sleepy Clemson team that is really not quite as good? Um, yeah, Dabo was completely outcoached. I do think, um, you know, he even said that uh, in his press conference after the game. He owned it. Um, he said he was outcoached. He said this team was out physical, then that they got their, their, their butts kicked. Um, so I do think he was outcoached, and I think, once again, that's a really good sign as it relates to Marcus Freeman and what he can do taking this team forward did we catch a sleepy clemson team that is not quite as good as they are in the years past um i don't think that this team is as good as some of those earlier clemson teams you know from three four or five years ago that's probably for sure but you know once again this is a clemson team that was eight no uh they were on a 14 game winning streak uh, so they hadn't lost in a, in a really long period of time um they were coming off of a bye um, they were able to get all of their defensive line for the most part, I think, maybe outside of one guy healthy. Um, and yeah, um, you know, this was, this had all the, all the makings of a game that they should, should have won. You know, Notre Dame beat them two years ago at Notre Dame. So they had all the motivation in the world to beat the Irish at Notre Dame, um, which they couldn't accomplish in 2020. They had all, a lot of their fans there, um, that had traveled because Notre Dame hasn't played Clemson at Notre Dame in a really long time. So this was the opportunity for them really to go out and, you know, once again, prove their ranking as the number four ranked team in the country uh, based on the college football polls uh, or committee, and uh, the Irish just dominated them. So I do think they are a little bit down, that's for sure, um, but they still are, you know, they're one of the best programs out there, um, hands down, um, from the standpoint of coaching, um, talent-wise, uh, and what they've been able to accomplish over the years and how they've used that talent to then obviously drive wins for their team. So, yeah, not probably quite as good as before, um, but definitely a really, really solid and really good team. And so that's why I think this win is even more exciting and, um, you know, even cooler for the Irish from the standpoint of we are able to see what the Irish, you know, have the, the possibility to do as a team. I think we all know that the Irish have the talent, um, unfortunately we had a couple of games this year where our talent didn't shine through and we weren't probably weren't ready to play. And, you know, same thing. I'll always put those losses on Marcus Freeman. Those are on him. He's the head coach. Um, but in the same respect that he takes those losses against Marshall and Stanford, he's going to get credit for this win um, going up against Clemson. So, all right, Errol and Dean, thanks for your questions. Uh, appreciate it, guys. All right, let's move on to um, the Navy game um, previewing. We'll give you a little bit of a preview. Um, not going to spend a ton of time on it because I haven't, you know, spent a ton of time looking at Navy. Um, but I have been reading a lot of the articles. Have listened to a lot of the podcasts this week. I do think probably the biggest thing and what, what everyone's talking a little bit about is the letdown factor. You know, we're coming off one of the bigger wins in a long period of time, and now we're playing, um, you know, a team that you know, you know, it's is a completely different type of offense that the Irish have to get ready for. It's going to be a game where. Both teams' offensive um, possessions are going to be limited. Um, and, you know, this is a game on the road. It's early. Um, yeah, and we have to just come out. The Irish have to come out and really kind of avoid that letdown loss against a team like Navy. So um, I do think that the Irish will play well. Um, you know, Navy's, I think they're maybe on the rack of quarterback, which, you know, good or bad. I mean, they always have a few guys that are that can play that position. Um, their run defense, from what I've been seeing, is really good. I think it's a top 10 run defense in the country. Now, that being said, Clemson was eight run defense um, and we saw what we did against them last week so let's see if the offensive line can continue to dominate continue to do what they did against clemson let's see if drew pine can get a little bit more of his confidence back make some good passes downfield get the passing game going a little bit better i'd love to see a little bit more of a balance that we saw similar to that north carolina game where we're hitting wide receivers we're hitting tight ends we're getting the running backs involved in the passing game and we're just continuing to run. So I think this would be a great game if the Irish can do that because I do think as for as good as we've done a job, for as good a job as we have done running the ball, 
it'd be great if we could get a little bit more balance and show teams that we can still pass the ball. So let's see if the Irish can pass the ball from a defensive perspective. It's always going to be about, can you stop um, and force Navy into third and long? So it's going to be about, can you stop them on first and second down from not getting a whole bunch of yards? Uh, because when it is third and long, that's when it becomes really hard for Navy to, um, you know, continue on with the downs. Now, same thing, field positions can be huge in this. You don't want to give Navy a short field because you know they're going to go for it on fourth down. Um, so whatever the Irish can, can continue to do to win the field position battle will be key. I don't think they're obviously going to pass the ball a ton. So a lot of this game will be on the safeties and the cornerbacks and the plays they can make uh, either at the line of scrimmage or on the in the on the outside. Um, so let's hope the Irish can come and tackle really well. I do think this is going to be a big game for like a Jack Kaiser. He's played really well against Navy in the past. I do think you're going to see some good games from like a Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watts, or more physical safeties. They like to play down by the line. So let's see if those guys have big games this weekend. And then you know, let's see if the de- defensive line, same thing, can continue to dominate uh, and can continue to control the line of scrimmage. Because if they can do that, um, they should be able to shut Navy down. Down and they should be able to, you know, give the Irish a really good chance to have, uh, you know, a good uh, going away victory. Um, but yeah, let's see what happens. Um, let's see what, what we got. Like I said, it is tomorrow um, at 11 a.m., um, so not too far around the corner. And now it is time for our prediction. So, all right, we are on the road. Um, it's in an NFL stadium. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd is like there. You know, obviously being in Baltimore, you're close to Navy. Um, so you're going to have a lot of Navy alum, a lot of Navy fans there. You know, today is Veterans Day. So shout out to all the veterans. Thank you for all your service. Thank you for all you've done for our country. So, you know, a big weekend for, for a lot of Navy, Naval Academy grads. So they'll have a good crowd there. I think the Irish will have a good crowd there, um, obviously, as we travel. And we have a lot of fans all over the country. Um, but it is going to be, you know, once again, big stadium, NFL stadium. So, um, you know, the lights are going to be shining bright. And let's see if the Irish can uh, have a good win. So I am going to predict a Notre Dame victory. I haven't thought too much about the score here. Um, but I am going to go with the Irish 38. I'm going to go with Navy 13. Um, once again, I think it's going to be a good win for the Irish and continue to propel the season on. Hope they get us to 7-3, and three, and then we look at senior week um, against Boston College. So, yep, once again, Notre Dame 38, Navy 13. Irish get a good win. Um, I do think that this is the type of game where um, it could be frustrating at certain times, um, but I think the Irish just have too much talent, and I do think that they're going to control the lines on both sides and we're gonna be able to pull away um, as the game gets moving further and further along so all right thank you once again everyone for listening to the exit 77 podcast um, feel free to reach out to me um, send me any of your questions um, feel free to give us a shout on twitter we are at exit 77 underscore podcast um, always feel free to leave me your questions there um, but yeah once again thank you all for listening i hope you're all gearing up for a good friday night and gearing up for a fun game tomorrow let's get a big irish win Uh, And as always, um, yes, go Irish. Thanks, everyone.